Hello, everyone. Thank you all for joining for this second episode of our live stream of the TCK project series. And as you guys may know or may not know, this is the 2022 Expert Talk series with Rock Culture in collaboration with Seattle Austria. It's called Thriving Thursdays, Third Culture Kids Beyond and Between Borders, where we explore the dynamics of third culture kids, aspects of their identity, and career beyond and between mental and physical borders. Today here with us is Ahana Banerji, and she is the co-founder of CLEAR, co-founder and CEO. And she has been accepted to Y Combinator, which is one of the most sought after and prestigious Silicon Valley accelerators. And during her final year at Imperial College London, she decided to turn down her graduate jobs in finance, leave her degree and work to innovate in the skincare space with her startup, which is Clear. And what is Clear, you may ask? Clear is the integrated social commerce app for skincare. And she wrote the code entirely herself. And she bootstrapped to 4,000 plus users and raised an 800K pre-seed and now manages a global team of six people. And she's also very young, so you would not believe this. Um, wow, so that was quite a bio, I would say. Um, Thank you, Johanna, for joining me. Can you please briefly introduce yourself on things that you might want to add and also tell us more about CLEAR? So what, what is CLEAR? Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, we're on firstly, thank you so much for the intro. I know we've been in touch, um, you know, uh, for, for a couple of months now at this point, um, and it's been great sharing my story with you personally. Uh, and it's fantastic to be here, you know, sharing it with, with the wider community as well. Um, so as Wearong mentioned, I my background is in physics. I did a physics degree at Imperial College London and through my degree, um, tried different sorts of career opportunities, interned in software engineering, in investment banking, um, also in startups. And I think it was really I found my passion when I did my first startup role um, and on a sort of a completely separate note, or at least I thought it was at the time, I have suffered with skin issues pretty much my whole teenage years, still now in my 20s. And I'd always felt there were just so many problems in terms of knowing which products to use, knowing whether they were working, feeling this immense frustration that it's such a marketed industry and actually brands aren't working to make products more innovative, they're just working to market them more cleverly. And that's not ultimately great for the consumer. And so, um, you know, I was very fortunate to receive the Y Combinator opportunity while I was still doing my degree. Um, and, you know, the fact that one, I could work on a company and two, a company so close to my heart was, was a dream come true. So I made the decision at that point to drop out of my degree, but it's not as dramatic as it sounds because I did still graduate with a bachelor's rather than uh, an integrated master's. Um, and I started working full time on Clear in 2021. And since then, we've as you know, again, as, as Wearong mentioned in the very <laughs> nice intro, um, grown to, to over 6,000 users now actually worldwide without any marketing spend. Um, and I fundraised an 800K pre-seed round as well, which was certainly a character building experience. And if I quickly touch on my, you know, childhood and, and how I got here, um, I, you know, my, my parents were born and raised in India. They were educated there. And I was also born in India. But as a baby, my family moved to the UK, a place called Cheshire, which is in the northwest. And so I think we were the only brown family for miles on end 22 years ago. Um, 
And then age 14, uh, me and my family, we moved to New Delhi, India, which was a very interesting experience being a person originally, you know, with Indian heritage, but not speaking the language, not really having much of an Indian cultural identity. So then living in India, being from that kind of background was really interesting. And then age 16, uh, my family and I moved to Singapore, where I did my last two years of school. I did the IB. And after that, came to university in London. Uh, and my family, coincidentally, also moved to London a couple of years after I started university. Nothing to do with me, just my dad's job. Um, and then now I actually live in Oxford, um, but I'm working remotely. I'm here with my partner who's doing a PhD. Wow, thank you. Well, you already answered the first question that I had, which was about your TCK background. And for those who are watching, which is, you know, fantastic already, those who are watching, TCK stands for Third Culture Kid. And in definition, it's somebody who grew up in a country that is different than their parents. So someone who in their developmental years traveled to a different country and stayed there for you know, a couple of years. Um, so my question is then, what does it mean to be a third culture kid for you, Ahana, beyond that definition? Yeah, I think it's honestly about, well, I mean, the I guess the simple way of portraying it is when someone asks you where you're from, you feel a deep stress because you know it's not a simple answer and you know you're going to have to tell them the whole story but I think you know in terms of, of how it's affected me and my identity I think you know I feel really fortunate to have had those experiences at such a young age in those developmental years to connect with and kind of build a sense of empathy for people from different cultures and different backgrounds and I think for me like what encompasses the the TCK experience is being able to have that exposure at a young age, which I think has helped me tremendously, um, you know, navigate through life and, and even now as a, as a startup founder. Right, 100%. And can you actually touch on a bit about your challenges that you kind of face being a TCK? Because you mentioned regarding identity. Could yeah. you perhaps go more into that? How, how has that affected you or influenced you while growing up or even now? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the influence was definitely present growing up. Um, when I lived in, in the UK, you know, being of Indian origin, I have to say I never experienced racism firsthand when I was, you know, as a child. But I think there were definitely elements of my kind of Indian heritage that I wanted to hide away. I would never want to admit that I ate Indian food at home or I wouldn't want to you know, be perceived as being too studious because that would play into the stereotypes. And, and you know, I think having those sorts of almost just like strange views growing up, feeling like a bit of an outsider, not because anyone made me feel that way, but just because I didn't look like everyone else and the meals I ate at home were different and my parents' jobs were different and, and you know, our culture was different. Um, I think I, I, I hid away from that a bit as a child. And then mm. it was an even more confusing experience having really shied away from the Indian part of my identity to then move to India. And interestingly, also feel a bit like an outsider because when in India, the Indian people who were sort of lived there and, and had spent their whole lives there didn't see me as Indian. They saw me as fully British because I couldn't speak the language. I had no Indian culture or, or heritage. And so I think for me, and, and to be honest, it's a big regret I have from my time in India because we went to an international school and it was very, very separated from the, the local Indian culture, to be honest. And so I think when I moved to India, I felt even less Indian because I was so much in this environment. 
Um, but then interestingly, when I then moved to Singapore, there's a large Indian community in Singapore, but I think they don't shy away from their culture. You know, they celebrate all the festivals, a lot of them speak the language or like the, the many languages that um, are there in India. And it was interesting to see other people perceive me as Indian when even to be honest in the UK, no one else would call me Indian. They would call me British because that's like, I am a British citizen. That's all the culture I know. Um, but for the first time in my life, others were identifying me as the Indian, which I didn't actually relate to very much. In fact, I remember categorically on one of the international days that a lot of international school kids have and you dress up in your country's culture. Um, I, I don't own a sari, like I literally don't have one, but I had some London 2012 Olympics merch, so I, I wore that. Mm. And one of the the girls, an Indian girl actually came up to me and was like, why are you wearing that? You're Indian. And I was like, mm. and it really confused me and, and it almost threw me off because I wasn't offended by it, but it was more just like, am I? I, I don't know. And yeah. I think it's actually taken me coming back to the UK, going to university and and I think maturing a little bit as well to to understand that and have the confidence to say, well, I, I'm I'm British with Indian heritage, and and that's what it is. And there are actually some really great parts of I think having that mix of Eastern and Western influence growing up that again I think have shaped me into the person that I am today. Right. Thank you for touching upon that because you know often as TCKs there's this common struggle of not knowing what it means to be you know. From, a, from one country. It's yeah. hard for us to identify ourselves with, you know, 100% being Indian, 100% being American, 100% British. Yeah. Um, it's mixed, right? So how did you kind of, let's say, slowly try to come to terms with it? Yeah. How did you, how did you find or did you find solutions to reflect on that identity part and what helped you throughout this process? I think it ultimately just came down to looking at, uh, at me and like understanding that every experience that I've had has shaped me into the person that I am today. And I'm proud of the person I am today as well. And then it was just about kind of understanding that these parts of my myself that I maybe hid away or shied away from as a child have actually shaped me to who I am today. And yes, I know it might play into certain stereotypes, but I'm incredibly hardworking. I think that's one of my best skills. And yes, when I was a child in high school, I was I was embarrassed about it. I was like, oh, they're going to think I'm the classic Indian kid who studies all the time. And I'm like, you know what? Good for me, because look at where I am. Like, that's how I've been able to achieve the things I have. And actually just leaning into the fact that all of these experiences have contributed to my achievements and then maybe you could say on my sense of humor it's a bit drier it's a lot more British and that's how I built a lot of the relationships I have and so you know it's about just I think I've always had that respect for other people and I have never judged anyone else to be like oh you're from this place or you're from that place and I think actually just giving myself that same level of respect that and you're not it, it doesn't matter where you're from this is the person that I see today and all of the experiences you, I have had have shaped mm -hmm. And and that's not good or bad. It's 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 just who who you are. And just I think really leaning into that is how I've helped kind of come to terms with it. And now it's it's not a a matter of panic or feeling a certain way if someone says you're Indian or you're British or you're Singaporean because you know I think for me it's I'm British. I have Indian heritage, and I had the good fortune to be able to move around internationally growing up. Right. So. You, you would say it was more of, let's say, a self-reflection and coming to terms of being mixed 
being not one or the other, but being all of the above, right? Um, exactly. And can you say like at what, let's say, what age or when did you kind of recognize that I'm okay with being a TCK? I'm okay with having mixed identities, regardless of what other people were telling me or told me to be? I would say university. Um, when I came back to the UK, I would, and you know, I think this is a slightly controversial thing to touch upon, but I do feel like racism is a lot more prevalent in Asia than it is in the UK. I feel like it's almost more, not culturally acceptable, but there were instances that happened in Singapore, for example, and this is, this is quite a personal one, but when we were looking for places to rent, um, you know, we, my, me and my family, we all have British passports. And so we found a really nice place, but it was in a condo where there were primarily Western um, mm -hmm. expats living. And so we, you know, we wanted to go there. They saw the passports and were fine. But the minute the Asian landlord saw the name, he told the estate agent that he doesn't want Indians living in that property. And so things like that, I mean, that would be illegal in the UK. That's like actual discrimination. But it's things like that, like on a broader level, I think even just looking at things that would happen in the workplace, looking at people who would get promotions based on being from a Western background, despite maybe being less qualified or, or less good at jobs, versus even me being an Indian living in Southeast Asia, I, I actually felt like, you know, even, even at school, there was a judgment that the Indian kids are like this and like the, the Chinese kids are like this. And so... I felt like it was almost having to get out of that environment where certain people from certain cultures weren't put on a pedestal for me to actually come to terms with like, you know what, being from a certain place doesn't make you inherently better. Everyone has their, you know, good things and bad things about them. And ultimately, the way we function best as a society is by accepting other people and understanding why they think the way they do or where they're coming from. Um, and, and yeah, really just developing that maturity. But I only think I was able to once I left that environment um, of living in Asia, where I think it was very prevalent and in, in my face. Mm. So in your personal experience, it was the transition from the location and moving to the UK and having people who are perhaps people who are more accepting or used to seeing who are used to people who are TCKs that kind of made you feel like, OK, it's it's all right. Um, Not really. I think it was the opposite. It was moving back to the UK, which I do, and I did always consider home. And yeah. being with British people that weren't TCKs, who didn't have these judgments, it was more like, you know, you are from where you're from. Like, it's it's not even a, a big deal. Because right. I think, like, I don't know, I, I really felt this in Asia, that certain cultures are put more on a pedestal than others. And there is just a lot more discrimination that happens more openly. I think obviously there are problems with discrimination in Western society too, for sure, but they're, they're more veiled. They're not as in your face. Um, right. And I think it took kind of just like almost not thinking about it, just going along with my life. And again, thinking about other things, being so career driven and realizing that all the skills I've accumulated are because of my upbringing and my background and that's a huge advantage I have right and let's touch upon something else which is about career yeah. and kind of the work that you're doing now so interestingly enough before you know you going into the startup startup phase and startup space uh you wanted to become a physicist and yeah. that's why you applied to physics at Imperial College London right uh, yeah. but then afterwards you 
went onto the banking, let's say, route and you know, secured coveted, coveted internships at UBS and Morgan Stanley. Um, but then afterwards, now, right now, you are in the startup space. So yeah. how, how do you think your journey as a TCK has affected your choice and your path to now? Yeah, that's such a great question. And, and there are very clear um, impacts of it. So let's let's like go back to when I was maybe 14, just about to leave the UK. I, I've always loved school, I'll be honest. Um, like I, I just liked a lot of the subjects, but maths was my favorite. And like when, when, you were, when I was that age in like grade seven, grade eight, you, you didn't have separate sciences. So it was just like math, science, English. And like, I loved English, I loved maths, and I loved science. And then when I did my first like specific physics course, when I was able to branch out, like I was like, I'm great at maths. I'm great at like, I love describing things. And mm. physics is the perfect combination of the two. It's like, I can explain the world around me using words and using maths. Like this is amazing. And I can have real impact and, you know, be behind innovations. So really from like actually younger, like I, I remember my primary school leavers assembly, we had to all dress up as like what we wanted our future jobs to be. And at the age of 10, mine was physicist. So this was like a like a lifelong dream of mine. But when I moved to New Delhi, I went to an American school. And again, like there's there's pros and cons to every education system. And I think the American university system is actually, in my opinion, I think it's better than, than the UK system uh, for people like me. But the high school system, particularly American high school maths, I will be honest, I think is behind British, the British education's math system, which meant that, you know, I was now in grade 10 and I was learning Pythagorean theorem, which I'd learned five years ago at my school in the UK. Mm-hmm. So I was getting like 105%, 110% on all the tests in maths at that school. And I was like, wow, I'm really good at maths. And then funnily enough, when I applied to the school in Singapore, I knew I wanted to study physics at a UK university. And that meant I had to have high level maths in the IB. And to do that, I had to sit an entrance exam. So I did that and I didn't really prepare for it because I was like, I'm so good at maths, I don't need to prepare. (laughs) And I'm not sure if you're familiar with how the IB works, but if there's a lot of TCKs here, they probably do know how it works. Um, I did the math test and my level came out as math studies. And I was shocked, Mm. I was like, but I'm great at maths. Like I'm going to be a physicist. How how could this happen? And and I was actually devastated because I thought that would get in the way of my dreams of pursuing the subject I'd always wanted to because I needed high level maths. And so I like begged and pleaded with the the head of the maths department at the new school. And I was like, no, like can we please just go through my exam together? And what we found is we sat and we went through it. It wasn't because like I was bad at maths. It was that actually I. I had major gaps in my knowledge from the curriculum change. So he said, okay, given that it seems like a curriculum problem, here are all the topics that you haven't learned. You have the summer to study them. And when you come back to start school in in August, I'll give you'll reset a new test. And if you come out as high level maths, you can do it. And so obviously I studied a lot that summer to make sure that I came up to speed. And I really enjoyed maths as a subject still. So got better at maths, did the test, came out as higher level. It was all fine. But I think at that point, like I had had a bit of a confidence hit that maybe I'm not as good at maths as I thought I was, but I was still excelling in physics and I did really well in the IB overall. And so then when I came to uni, 
I was I was feeling confident. I'd done really well my IB grades. Like I loved school. I was feeling super confident. And I was at my dream university where there's like some of the most incredible professors in a department that I really wanted to be in. However, again, from the first term of first year itself, one, I remember one of the first lecture courses we had was called Vibrations and Waves. And the key thing to like do this physics was you had to be able to solve second order differential equations. And I had just learned how to differentiate, let alone know what a differential equation was, let alone, know how, let alone knowing how to even solve a first order differential equation. The expectation was that you already knew how to solve second order ones, which I was like, <laughs> I actually cannot comprehend what is happening. Mm. And I think that really put me behind right from the get go. And it, and it hugely impacted my confidence because I'd gone from being, you know, grades were never a problem to suddenly I actually cannot follow what the lecturer is saying. I, I don't understand this. And so I think it was a mixture of that and a mixture of, you know, being in a UK university where everyone around me, for the most part, has done A-level further maths, which is the curriculum tailored for this degree. So I couldn't relate to my peers because they, they weren't having the same problem as I was, which was just, again, a gap in the knowledge. So from that point, I honestly had a bit of an existential crisis because I'd always wanted to use my education for something positive and, and like actually use the skills I've developed to have some kind of impact. And I believed it would be through academia. And then all of a sudden I was like, well, one, I'm honestly not sure that I have what it takes to be to, to be an academic. And two, when I speak to the PhD students, the postdocs, the professors, I also don't see a lot of myself in them. Like, I don't know if I feel like I belong in this environment because I have such a broad range of skill sets and interests. And I don't know if all I want to do is just physics. Like I love physics, but I also love other things. And so I, my reaction to my existential crisis, well, was, well, if it's not physics, then what is it? And at that point from first term in first year, I applied to anything and everything I was applying to and I knew what none of these were like I at this point, my coding skills were I could draw a line in Python and that was it. But I applied to software engineering roles. I applied to banking roles. I applied to hedge funds, consulting firms, everything under the sun. Mm. And I was I was lucky. And I think actually a, a big advantage that TCK kids have, especially if you've gone to international schools, is the kind of extra opportunities you get are way above and beyond, especially what I went to a regular state comprehensive school in the UK. And the amount of extracurriculars at my international schools were unparalleled. So I had, you know, even as an 18 year old, a very packed CV of all the different things I've done, as a lot of TCK kids do, which I think made it easier for me to get really good internships because not only did I go to a top university studying a subject like physics, but I'd also had all these leadership positions at the, the tender age of 18. So, you know, really was able to get some fantastic um, career opportunities early on. And it was actually through a cold message on LinkedIn through someone who had noticed that on my profile, I'd clearly gone to a lot of these career networking events. Um, he was a couple of weeks, I think, into building this um, this like startup in which the idea was that you match students at university to graduate employers. Now he wanted someone in charge of getting employers onto the platform. And he also wanted someone at a London university to get students from other L London universities on. And at this point I was so caught up in the glitz and the glamour of these big companies and like Canary Wharf and, and all of that. I didn't even know what a startup was, but I had had a lot of side projects throughout uni that I guess were entrepreneurial. Now I look back, but at the time I just thought they were side projects. I never saw them as like, I could be a startup founder, but this was my first job in, a, in an actual startup where 
I'll be honest, I, you know, I, I didn't necessarily love the team or the idea, but I loved the job. And I thought this is actually what plays to my skill sets. It's a perfect balance of critical thinking and communication and problem solving. And there's no playbook as to how to solve these problems. Like I actually have to figure it out, but it's not like solving a physics problem using maths. It's solving a business problem using critical thinking and, and analysis and working hard. So loved the job. But then the next problem was, well, if it's not with this team or this company, it's not trivial to just finish uni and like launch a startup and not be reliant on your parents financially. And I really didn't want to have to continue relying on my parents once I finished uni, especially with the education and the opportunities that, that I'd had. So my plan was to start my career in finance where I knew I'd make lots of money. And that way in two to three years time, I'd be able to take that, I'd be financially stable and I could build something that meant more to me. That all changed. And I know it's a, it's a bit of a long story and I'm happy to go into it in more detail, maybe in another question, but long story short, halfway through the final year of the degree, um, I'd been working on a different startup called Quill, which was like a B2B SaaS meeting minutes automation software. Um, we had just pivoted from that into Clear, which is what I'm working on now. And we were accepted to Y Combinator, which is really what allowed me to make that decision because it meant that I got funding, which I hadn't secured before. So it meant that I could actually commit myself to building the startup at this stage of my career, really with very little risk because I was still able to get a degree with the, a good enough grade. And I was able to secure two grad jobs before doing that such that like I, I had the confidence that I would be able to get a job in finance if I wanted it. Um, and to just pursue the startup and, and see what happened. And I can say with confidence, it was the absolute right decision for, for me. It's it's not the right decision for everyone. I wanna stress that, that not every TCK kid should become an entrepreneur, but for me, it was the right decision. Um, and I'm, you know, I think a lot of the, the communication skills that I developed through those years of growing up abroad, our team now runs out of six countries. So we're very, very international. Um, and I think just being able to operate in that way has been, um, you know, all those learnings as a child have come in useful now as an adult. Wow. Thank you for sharing that story. Uh, very, very holistic picture of kind of your journey to now. And I just want to kind of go back to when you mentioned regarding your difficulties in the beginning of, you know, the realities of the of physics and yeah. how it kind of changed when you moved to different schools. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this is something that all TCKs kind of struggle with, which is dealing with transitions, not mm -hmm. only locally and understanding the culture and, you know, the environment, but as well as the school and educational curriculum. Yeah. What, what would have you wanted to see in terms of support wise for international or TCK students at that point? I think almost just knowing what I'd missed out on would have been really helpful or like having the end goal in mind as I progressed because for example and what, so, so to give you an example of what I mean is when I was 14 at the school in Delhi I already knew I wanted to do physics at a UK university the requirements didn't change between the age of 14 to 18 they were already out there for me to know but you know I was I, I was the older sibling so I didn't have like another sibling that had gone through the process or anyone that I knew closely so I, at the time, didn't know how hard high-level maths was. I didn't know how hard maths at Imperial was. And I, like, I just didn't know so many things. And honestly, had I known that at the time, I would have sought extra help for my maths. Whilst mm. at that 
school because there were deficiencies, in my opinion, in the curriculum. And I think that would have helped me had a much smoother process, uh, yeah, process just through through my academics in line with what my end goal was. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's obviously difficult to do now, but, you know, I think like just having almost a mentor or someone who could have told me that way in advance would have actually saved me a lot of, of hard work. And, and, you know, I, I it's hard to say now because I'm also very happy with where I'm at now. And I like this is my dream job. But part of me wonders if I was really good at maths, would I have gone into into academia? And it's not that academia is bad. My, my partner who I live with, he's now doing uh, he went the other way. He's doing a quantum computing PhD at Oxford now and he loves his job. And actually, when I went to his lab, it is really like he's building a quantum computer. That's so cool. That's like the type of stuff that I wanted to do when I started my physics degree. So part of me wonders, like, had I stayed in one curriculum or had I just got the math support earlier and not had those huge deficiencies, would I have ended up on a different route? And I, and I don't know. But the point is that that happened and I am where I am now. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy. Right. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, and by the way, to the audience who's watching right now, feel free to pop in your comments and your questions for Ahana and anything that you want to ask. I think, you know, it's a great opportunity to kind of get insight in a young entrepreneur's point of view, how her experience was. So feel free to, you know, ask any questions and I'll be asking that to Ahana directly. Um, another question following from your career journey is, you know, you, you comparably, you still had quite a success in terms of, you know, the internships that you were able to secure, you know, in banking and as well as right now in your startup phase, how, how would you, or what kind of advice would you give to TCKs who are aspiring to be, let's say, successful in, yeah. in terms of different uh, areas they're working on. What kind of motivates or drives you to to achieve more and do better? Yeah, I mean, I think with a lot of it, it has to be intrinsic motivation. And to be honest, a lot of that came from me through the experiences I had. I think, especially living in India as someone that, you know, spent most of my childhood in the West and then in India lived a very privileged lifestyle just seeing like how, you know, like I understand why Indians work so hard. It's because if you don't, there is no cushy benefit system like the UK. And, and I think almost building that empathy and that drive and understanding what life is like in other parts of the world really hit me. And it was like, wow, I've been given every opportunity to do something meaningful. And that's like, I have a, I have a responsibility to, to do something good with my life that will help you know, ultimately, I know it sounds a bit wishy-washy, but we'll have some kind of positive impact on somebody. And so that that's certainly what drives me. And I think that, you know, more broadly, when it came to success with internships and with, with my job now, um, in, in many ways, I think being a TCK is a huge advantage because not many people at in those developmental years will even have that opportunity. And the skills you build, that that empathy you build, that understanding you build of other cultures from so young is a competitive advantage. The fact that you can use that when it comes to describing your experiences. And I think it also shines through often in, in team situations when you're working with other people. Oftentimes, I found that TCKs have fantastic communication skills just because you're forced to. If you move to a new country and you have to adapt and people don't understand a certain way you're presenting, you have to adapt. 
And so I think already developing that skill from from childhood is such a valuable thing to have and to really play into those aspects of, of yourself and your upbringing can be extremely beneficial when it comes to securing internships and, and future career success. 100%. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, there's some questions coming in on the comments. So there's one by Svetlana, and this is her question. Where and when did you get process management and business management training for your startup? And thank you for the inspiring vibe of your business lady. <laughs> thank you, Svetlana. I have zero process management and business management training. Um, what I would say is, you know, running a startup is hard. Like it's, it's definitely not easy, but it's not hard. Like rocket science is hard. Like you don't need to, at least in my opinion, sitting down in a lecture and being told X, Y, Z will not necessarily translate to the real world. And of course, you know, don't make the same mistakes that other people have made. So there is an element of learning that you can do. But ultimately, the challenge of building a successful company in most cases is that there is no playbook, there is no XYZ actions will lead to success, which means you have to have your own critical thinking skills. And this is where I actually feel like in many cases, a degree like physics can almost be more beneficial to building a company than even certain business management courses. Because what I did develop was extremely strong coding skills, which meant that I didn't have to hire any software engineers early on. It meant that I developed very good critical thinking skills because physics is you solve problems all day long. And the third thing is that, you know, physics taught me resilience. I, to be honest, didn't like my degree, but I powered through and I got there in the end. I got good enough grades to get a job. And part of me felt like, wow, I put myself through that challenge and I still got through it at the other end. There are so many challenges you face when building a startup that, you know, like it was almost like that. If I could get through my degree, I can get through this. So I think in that sense, like, of course, it's I'm not saying that business management type courses aren't helpful. They are. You'll always learn something from them. But I would go as far as to say that it's definitely not a prerequisite. And most of what you do is just I think the key thing is you have to be open minded and you have to constantly be willing to learn and to be honest with yourself about situations be very self-aware, do a lot of introspection about what's going well for you, what things you're good at, what things you're not good at. Um, and, and in my opinion, that's what you need to run a company. You, you, I don't think you need a, a certain degree. Right. There, there's never a right time. You just have to start. Another question coming in from Zelina. Could you please elaborate more about your opinion that being a TCK has enriched your curriculum and offered you big internship opportunities? I mean, I think I, I said the opposite, that being a TCK did not enrich my curriculum and caused holes when I got to university. But I think more holistically, it did. So so in the sense that for my direct curriculum, when it came to sitting exams, moving around made it harder because of these certain gaps in certain curriculums. But when it came to the broader experience of, again, just those communication skills, have understanding other people, being well-rounded as well, I think was a huge thing, especially with, with the IB curriculum, has been a, a massive advantage now when, when, when I've been at university and, and now with securing these internships. And in my specific situation, I'm, you know, it was me applying for roles, I suppose against my competition were people who had done A-levels for the most part, people who were born and raised in the UK, gone th through their whole education system this way. Now, for, for those of you who don't know too much about the UK education system, you do GCSEs, you, you pick those when you're fifth, 
no, 14, I think, you do them age 15 and 16, and then you do A-levels um, when you're 17 and 18. Meaning that, you know, you only do four A-levels at the end of your studies. And that means that you, oftentimes you're picking GCSE subjects that will let you do certain A-levels, but you're picking those GCSEs as a 14-year-old. And then depending on your A-levels, you might or might not be able to apply to certain degrees, which actually means that you're making your like life career decision at the age of 14, which is crazy, absolutely crazy. And so in that sense, when it came to applying for, for internships, to put it in perspective, I, I have a physics degree from Imperial, which to an employer shows that, you know, she, she's, I didn't think I was that good at physics, but I'm good enough at physics to, to be able to get onto that degree and, and not leave. Uh, well, I mean, I did leave, but for different reasons. Um, but then as compared to my sort of competition, so to speak, I also had very, I did high level English at the IB. So I love writing and communicating. I can also speak French, which opened up a whole other set of job pools because I was forced to learn a language. I also know how to manage, well, at the time at school, it was six subjects plus TOK, whereas my A-level counterparts, especially for a subject like physics, did maths, physics, further maths and chemistry. So they were almost thinking in that same sphere for so many years, whereas I had a much more rounded knowledge, to be honest. I, I, was, I didn't have as much depth, but I had much more scope of, of things I knew about. And I actually think when it comes now to the, the world of working, that is a huge advantage to, to be broad, unless you go into a very, very niche field where you require a very specific skill set. And most people don't go into to academia. That's the, the minority for almost all university degrees. The people who get regular jobs or who work in big companies or even small companies and startups, be, having practical skills is the most important intelligence and specialized knowledge gets you so far but after a point i really believe it doesn't matter and it's about the other skills that you have and i strongly feel that the environment that you get as a tck builds up those skills so much better than a university degree does and i and i often say this but i accredit a lot of my success in my career much more to my international upbringing than i do to my physics degree mm. well um and I want to ask a further additional question to that. And in terms of career, again, assuming that you have third culture kid friends, which, you know, hopefully you do. I do. Um, I do. Okay. Uh, do you see there's patterns in their career choices and the career path they take from your friends? And do you think that's particularly in terms of their influence of coming from international background? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would say in terms of the choices, not really, but, and this is going to really upset maybe a lot of my non-TCK friends, I think the TCK, my TCK friends make better employees or, or better, like, or better leaders of companies. Basically, I think they do better in the working world after university, just because, as I said, of all those skills that they built up, probably without even realizing while they were at school. Um, and, and when it, again, like, oftentimes you only need so much intelligence or specialized skill set. But after that, it's the general competence that will define how well you do in your career. And I actually think that the types of problems and challenges you face as a, as a TCK growing up are the types that you face in, in life, in, in business. 
which means that you've already had some experience navigating them as a child. It's almost second nature to you to communicate in a certain way or make certain decisions or know where the support networks are. And so in that sense, like, I think that, you know, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily affected the dis the career decisions people have made, but it's definitely, I think, affected the career trajectories based on, based on what I've seen. And, and that's not to say that you can't do well if you're not a TCK. Obviously, I'm not saying that. But based on like what I have seen, I think that, you know, there's certainly a lot of advantages um, that, that TCKs have. Right. And, you know, after touching upon these kind of strengths and, you know, skills that we gain as TCKs and how we can apply it into the professional world, at the same time, there are a lot of, let's say, disadvantages that we face, which is that, you know, often going back to your mentioning of identity and feeling, you know, not belonging, this kind of, in a way, affects, you know, the confidence levels. And yeah. often, you know, a lot of TCKs, they feel like they are not as much valued as others see them, that they're not really privileged. They don't see their strengths as what others see them. Yeah. So how, how, do you, how do you view this pattern of TCKs constantly undervaluing their skills yeah. and their environment that so many people would really covet to be in? It's, it's really hard to be honest. And, and I actually did struggle hugely with my, with like my academic or like su success related confidence until my third year of my degree because of all those holes that I had when, um, and you know, now it's all very like not <laughs> inspirational. I like that what, what Svetlana said. Now it's a very like positive place that I'm at, but it's taken time to get here because when, you know, I joke about having an existential crisis, it really was. It, it wasn't a like, wow, look at me. I'm just going to launch a YC company and, and build the future of skincare. It was, I'm so bad. In fact, I'm so much worse at the one thing I thought I was good at than all of my peers. What do I do? And I massively struggled with my confidence. And yes, I still had the drive to apply for internships. But I even had someone tell me who met me in my first year. It was re it got worse in my second year of uni. And they met me in my second year, like they were like, what's happened to that confident Ahana I met last year? Like, you're so different. And I cried, I was so like, that hurts to hear that from a mentor at Morgan Stanley at the time that I was working with, who'd met me a, a year before. And I think it was at that point, I was like, what is, like, what, what happened? You know, where has that confidence gone? And I don't think that there was one single thing that, that changed it. And I did try and seek help. I went to my department. I told them that I was having these sort of like, issues i told them that i was getting extremely anxious about certain exams i told them i felt like i had these gaps in my knowledge and the sad truth is it's and this is going to sound absolutely terrible but the, i feel like this is psychology and i will admit to it it took me getting towards the end of my degree and even though i had success in internships because especially for my degree people almost didn't care it was like so what if you can get these internships if your grades are like this you're like not worthless but like we don't care and it was only until those same people that had basically kind of really belittled me and made me feel quite small when they were applying for jobs and realized how hard it was and 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 I didn't have that same struggle that I I, I grew more confident and it was also when, and at the same time my grades got better. I, I did much better in my third year exams than I did in my first and second year, which alleviated the stress of getting good enough grades to get the jobs that I'd secured. And so in a way it was like my insecurities about my exam taking abilities 
were no longer there because I, I'd done it. Like I'd got the grades I needed and the people that had made me feel like my other skills weren't valuable are seeing firsthand how valuable my other skills are, which isn't a nice thing to say, but honestly, for me, that's what did it. That's what made me realize that being well-rounded is not a bad thing. Yes, I am not the best physicist. I will hold my hands up and say, but that's not a bad thing. It's a different thing. It means that I'm going to, I'm on a different path and that's okay. And it took a, a long time to realize that. And, and so it wasn't one single thing and it's not necessarily the nicest thing to admit to that did prompt that. But for me, that is the true story of, of I think, how I regained my confidence and, and have then been able to go on, go on to achieve um, yeah. the things that I have in the past few years. Right. Thank you for sharing that and also being very open and honest about your journey and experience so far. And I just want to touch on like a point that you, you know, mentioned already twice, which is being a generalist, you know, it has a lot of advantages because, you know, at a very young age in your teens or in your young professional, let's say stage in life, a lot of, a lot of us don't know what we want to do. Right. And it's not like, for example, for me, I'm also an entrepreneur. It's not like a hundred percent. I'm going to be hundred percent doing or pursuing entrepreneurship for the years of my life later on. Uh -huh. So I think it's a really good point to mention that, you know, having different skill sets, you know, for example, for you, taking maths as well as English literature and IB, you know, having that diverse skill set is something that could really be advantage advantageous. Yeah. Plus the intercultural awareness and background, it's it's something that could really be, let's say, boosting your chances in your career and how you kind of navigate life. So yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely don't don't fret the people who are out there who are like, oh my gosh, I need to find the specific thing I want to do and choose and know. Nobody really knows. Um, you really just kind of get there with um, what you currently have and use the resources and just find and see what you know interests you. And that's how you get there. So there's never like a correct one way uh, to get to what, what you want to do in the future, right? Um, and so now it's kind of wrapping it up and we're close to the end. So uh, as this kind of project series is a intergenerational talk and interview between different TCKs, the last episode, we had Ruth Van Raken, which she is an icon in the TCK world. And she wanted to ask a question to a younger TCK. And I feel like it's more of a rhetorical question, but I'm going to read it. And it is, do you understand the fullness of the life you've been given? How would you respond to that? I don't think I have the, the IQ to respond to that, to be honest. I think I, I'm going to say yes. Like, I, I do. I, I realize, like, that I have had a lot of very enriching experiences that a lot of people don't have. And, and enriching in the sense that, like, it's, in a in a privileged sense like i it's not like they've been bad things but they've been things that have made me question aspects of my life of my identity of my decision making of my thoughts that i wouldn't have had otherwise and i feel like that's kind of what the question alludes to is like do, do you always realize like what what you were given as a child and i think the answer is yes like i'm hugely grateful for the opportunity and i think it's interesting to note that i think i was lucky that i started my moving abroad journey when I was a bit older, like age 14, mm. because I already was quite mature for my age. And I understood like a lot of things that I think people who start moving ar around really young or like their whole life um, 
may not always appreciate because it's all they've known. Um, yeah, I, th I think yeah. so. And now turning it back to you, because yeah. in the next episode, it's going to be someone who is a older generation CCK. What is yeah. one question that you may have for the upcoming person who's going to be in this interview? Um, mm -hmm. What is one question you want to ask? I would maybe ask that in today's kind of work environment with, you know, Gen Z now joining the workforce, um, how does being a TCK play into that? So, you know, as compared to prior to Gen Z with a previous generation, how did that affect employability and people's ability to work in companies versus now with the newer generation of TCKs? Excellent question. Thank you so much. So we're going to wrap it up. But before that, Ahana, I would like to give you the space to share a bit about how to follow Clear, how to follow your journey. And um, yeah, please. Amazing. Well, you know, it was such a fantastic conversation, Weirong. So thank you for being an incredible host, first and foremost. Um, but yeah, please do check out Clear. The website is on the screen right now, uh, getclearapp.com. The app is totally free, available globally on iOS and Android. And you can check it out if you do have skin problems or you are just a skincare enthusiast, Clear is for you. It's just a safe space for you to track and share your routine and find other like-minded people. Um, and if you're interested in learning more about my entrepreneurial journey, I actually have a YouTube channel. So you can just go to YouTube and type in my name, Ahana Banerjee. And, and I cover all sorts of topics from fundraising to making your first hires to some of the, the things I would do differently if I could, if I could do the journey over. Um, and you can follow me on my socials as well. I'm pretty active on Twitter at Ahana Banana. And don't hesitate to connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Or send me a DM if you have any questions about anything that we've covered today. Wonderful. What a way to wrap it up. Thank you so much, Ahana, once again. And I'm very excited for what you're going to be creating with Clear. I'm definitely already following and really excited for what is next. So thank you again for today's talk and discussion and all the best. Bye-bye. You too, Erong. Bye-bye.